Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters podcast. This is episode 226. Uh, you've got Chris and Brian. Uh, Chris got himself into a bit of a malfunction by eating a bunch of jam this morning with his croissant. So I, so I did actually have a jam, not, not a malfunction. So not a failure to feed, not a failure to extract, not a failure to eject. I actually had a jam. Um, I've got a lot of sugar in me, and I'm not used to eating sugar, so this could be super interesting this morning. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, yeah, so on that note, uh, we're going to talk about some recent call it malfunctions we've seen on pistols. Uh, they are not jams, they are malfunctions. Um, guns in general, we think of as machine tools that do a particular operation. Um, and detonating a primer that burns some powder yeah. that sends a projectile down a barrel. Um, there's gas behind that projectile that launches it out of the barrel. And then that either the energy of that operation happening or the gas coming out of the barrel, uh, more so on the rifle side. Yeah. But that is what operates the gun as a machine. Um, seeing as how machines are made by man, even Glocks. Yep. Especially SIGs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they will malfunction from time to time. Um, so either doing proper preventative preventative maintenance mm-hmm. uh, or knowing how to remediate malfunctions um, in the field is kind of an important skill to have. Uh, so we're going to talk about some of those things this morning. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to start off. So it, now I'm going to throw out the caveat because this was actually shoved down my throat by one of our longtime customers who I hadn't seen in a while. Um, who is a pretty serious defensive shooter and a really was a really talented USPSA guy, uh, but life got in the way. So chasing kids, baseball stuff like that, um, actually kind of kind of threw it at me when I said, "Yeah, you know, P365 XL, probably chasing 1,300 rounds, maybe as close, maybe close to 1,500 rounds, give or take." Um, and I haven't cleaned it. So I said, "Hey, you know," he asked me how it was going because I was talking about that gun as a small summertime carry gun. And he asked me how I was going. I said, well, the other night at the range, you know, through about 300 rounds, 250 rounds, give or take, um, I had three um, failures to extract, not eject, but extract. The case was, the case, the fired case was still in the gun. Um, and then that pushes, you know, another roundup behind it, which makes for a, a little bit slower malfunction to clear. It's not an IA, it's a remedial action at that point. Um, a tap rack assess isn't going to do it. So uh, playing around with that, uh, he actually kind of shoved it down my throat, and he says, you know, it's not a Glock. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm aware. And he's like, so you're treating it like a Glock. Have you even cleaned it? And I'm like, no, I haven't cleaned it. Uh, how many rounds? I don't know. I don't know, 1,300 maybe, maybe more than that. I don't know. You know, and it's kind of one of those like, oh, yeah, this is A, not a Glock, and B, it's a little gun. Um, you know, and little guns, the engineering, the tolerances, the operating envelope is tighter. All and the so timing's all the faster. Ti- yeah, all the timing's faster. So, I mean, all those things become critical. Um, the the failure to extract does kind of concern me um, because I, I don't know, you know, we're going to keep an eye on that. And I don't know, we'll clean the extractor and, and we'll clean the race where the, you know, I'm assuming it's Glockish. I've never taken the thing apart, quite honestly, so I don't even know. Um, so, I, so I am definitely throwing out the caveat that this is a maintenance thing probably on me until I can prove it's a gun thing on SIG. Um, because I have not maintained the gun. Matter of fact, I don't know that I've lubed the gun more than twice or three times. And I don't know that I've ever put lube on the extractor or any part of the extraction system. And I've never read the instructions to see if it's required or not. (laughs) So, again, not picking on SIG with this one so much as picking on me, um, but I am running this gun kind of as as just a demo to see 
where are we at with this and see if this is a reliable tool or if it's a toy. Um, I love the gun. I like shooting it. It shoots very well. I love running the optic on it. The trigger's solid. It does everything you need it to do. I put a Wilson Combat Grip module on it, so I've got no, no other qualms with the gun so far. So, but that is something we'll be keeping an eye on. Um, I will likely detail strip the gun this weekend, take it down, clean everything off, relube everything, put it back together, and we'll assume that that's going to make all the heartburn go away um, until it doesn't. And we'll keep beating on it on the range and running it, you know, two, three hundred rounds at a time. And we'll get back up through a thousand rounds and see what it does. But we may have just discovered that the SIG P365XL um, running moderate quality training ammo needs to be cleaned every thousand, maybe every 500 rounds, you know, kind of thing. Or yeah. maybe it needs to just be wiped down every time. Who knows? Or need lubed every time. I don't know. Whatever. But um, to wit, it is not a Glock. It does not have Glock maintenance intervals. It is a SIG, and it has small gun maintenance intervals, it would appear, and then we'll go from there. So be aware of that. If you're running 365XL and you're lazy like me and don't clean it on a regular basis, um, you might consider keeping an eye on that and just seeing what yours does and knowing that you know you might want to cut that interval down and keep it running. Yeah. 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 So we'll see. We'll keep you appraised of that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 So. Um, yeah, on my end, I had the 507K on my 365XL, um, not shit come on. Yeah. Um, and that was due to a battery that needed replaced. Yeah. Uh, I'm really bad about putting notes in my calendar for once a year or every six months. Mm-hmm. Um, to say, hey, change the battery on this. Uh, also discovered at the same time that the battery on a 507K is not a 2032. Yeah. It's a 1632. Little bitty dude. A uh, little, little bit different size. Uh, one of those things we are looking at getting to keep in the store. So they'll be available. Um, but yeah, it was one of those like, oh, this is a problem and I can't fix this right now because I think mm-hmm. I was looking at it at eight or nine o'clock. Um, yeah, kind of caught me off guard a little bit. Yeah. Because uh, there was no, you know, there's no warning on that. It's just all of a sudden. It's done. There's there's no dot um, and pushing the buttons doesn't fix it. Yeah. You know, doing the old NES, pull the battery tray out, blow on the cartridge. Yeah. Uh, put yeah. it back in. Like, that didn't help either. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a... And those little batteries, guys, like I said, they're they're significantly tougher to find than the 32s. So, we, like I said, we'll be chasing those down, see if we can get some in the store so you can have some to replace stuff with. Um, you know, and, and I want to, you know, throw out the reminder to everybody, um, you know, if, if you're drawing the gun, if you're on the range or you're training, or heaven forbid it's an extremist and you draw the gun and the dot's not there, um, use those little bumpy things on top. Yeah. Uh, they, they still work. They'll do what you need them to do. Um, you know, and, and we have had some instances in a training environment where we're running some drills, pushing some things and stuff like that, and guys that come out of the holster and either something got turned off um, or the battery was dead or whatever. And, and, you know, the whole, like, instant of not knowing whether to shit or go blind um, is, is really kind of a negative thing. You know, you kind of need to be in that mentality where if you're not picking the dot up, like, right now, just transition to the irons, you know, and, and do work with those. Uh, that transition time should, it'll feel like an eternity, but it should be a pretty quick transition that honestly isn't really even noticeable to anybody. If there's no dot, use use the irons. Use yeah. the bumpy things. It'll yeah, be right. that should be happening in under half a second. Yeah, and I would say even faster than that, but for sure under half a second. But again, if it's an extremist, a half a second is potentially a lifetime. Yeah. Um, you know, so understanding that, you know, at some point that, that could happen, be aware of that. That is, you know, that is electronics. That is... Mm-hmm high-tech stuff on low-tech stuff you know there's there's a low-tech backup to it ready to rock and roll yeah 
Uh, it also means that your draw strokes should be established to the point that you can find your dot and realize that it's not there yeah. within half a second. Yeah. Because uh, we've definitely seen guys fish and wobble and search for the dot for well over a second. Yeah. Uh, on the range. Yeah, and if you're, if you're, you know, the, the the part of this too that's kind of frustrating around that specifically is that you don't have to do live ammo training to find the dot. Draw strokes, draw strokes, draw strokes, all that dry fire that you should be doing is what makes guys who can find the dot stupid fast able to find the dot stupid fast is because they're not doing it with bang, they're doing it dry, you know, dry, 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 dry and running this. Um, and so you're used to seeing it when it's not there. I think you you know, maybe that first time you're like, oh, and then the, after that, there should be no, oh, it should be, okay, well, I know it should be there, and right below that's some bumpy things, let's just go ahead and use those. Or, depending on proximity to target, um, yeah. you know, confirmation level, stuff like that, you know, maybe maybe you're you're just putting the outline of the optic on the target or, or something, or bracketing shoulders if it's a RMR or whatever the case yeah. may be, but that, that default to whatever visual remediation needs to happen um you know should be nearly instantaneous like i said it'll feel like forever but it, sh it should be not really noticeable to anybody else if it is maybe that's something to train or think about or whatever so yeah yeah cool cool um when that when you were noticing that with your p365 you've got enough sight there iron sight poking up above yeah. that's not really a big deal that's that's i mean i haven't had mine die on me yeah. but i've but i have played around with the irons through the optic just to see if i can still hit things and you can't see like the tritium necessarily, but you can see the top of the sight. Right. So I mean, it's it's there. It's in especially it's a close enough. If you're ten yards and in, it's yeah. probably not much of a conversation. Yeah, I've got one of the older 365 XLs um, where the rear sight was on the optics plate. Okay. Uh, so the rear sights end up being the notch is cut into the 507K. Okay. Which makes the elevation a little wonky. Yeah. Um, so it's like a body shot 10 yards, no problem. Headshot 10 yards, I don't know if I'd want to take that shot with the irons through the optic on that gun. Sure. At least not without some serious confirmation, yeah. right? Some serious practice saying, hey, where does it need to, what do I need to see to make yeah. that happen? Yeah. And, and then again, you start talking about under duress, if you're used to lining up the sights traditionally, and that's not where they need to be to make that headshot, then that, that's part of that conversation. Yeah. That's part of knowing your equipment. Um, you know, and this is a this is a platform that I'm not willing to say it's new for us compared to what we normally do because you and I tend to stay on the same path with stuff yeah. and not alter or, or step out of line very much. We, we don't go chasing waterfalls, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, so here's this conversation around you know where you're you're trying to you know you're trying out something new and we've got a fair amount of rounds through it. I know guys who don't even get close to the number of rounds we have through guns that carry them every day, yeah. and they're super comfortable with that. And I think there's a blind spot there that could potentially bite you yeah. and that is something that i i have done a little bit with this gun is i have run it with the irons through the optic but i'm not running the optic notches i'm running the irons which are on right. it and and like i said zero issues with that so yeah. you know I'm, I'm aware of that that might be something to play around with that elevation specifically at different distances and see where things get odd or not yeah. functional yeah yeah so yep absolutely yeah all of the so on the 365 xl all of the new ones within the last what six months a year um maybe over a that. year yeah a little bit over a year yeah sig actually cuts a rear sight channel and then puts rear sights on the slide um, they move the optic plate up just a skosh um, eliminates the problem that i've got with one yeah. of the earlier guns yeah um yeah i mean my my take on the 365 xl is still it's a brilliant um little little gun that shoots like a big gun yeah 
Um, it is a gun that you can do some serious work with. Yes. Um, we were out a couple of weeks ago doing target more target transition focused drills, and it was no problem to keep up with somebody running a G19 really aggressively. True. Um, yeah, with running the 365 XL, like it shoots just you can run it just as aggressively as the G19. Yeah. Um, G17, G47, G45. 320 yeah I, uh, yeah I really splits, think I really think you're you know the and splits I, might be a couple hundred slower yeah exactly uh, but as far as transitions you know doing all of the all the things other than trying to chase jailbait splits yep. it does really 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 well yes and if you got smaller hands you might be able to make the splits just as fast as you would yeah or yeah. even faster than you know a, a full size or a double stack or a duty size gun yeah it shoots like a lot bigger gun for sure yeah um, the, the, the one thing I will throw out there with the XL series guns, I don't care if it's an X, XL, um, Street P365 or the Macro, there are a lot of different variations that can create holster fitment issues. For example, if you have one of the old ones um, in an older holster, your optic works fine, but the new optics cut pushes the optics forward, and so some of the older holsters are not compatible. So as you're looking at stuff like that, look at the one you have and make sure that whatever it is you're buying gear-wise fits. Uh, same thing going up to the X macro when you go to the macro they change the frame dramatically It's got an actual rail on the front end and going with a large and it is a larger gun at that point There's a lot of stuff. It won't fit. So while everything is seemingly modular with the 360 365 through XL series um, You know and there is even some cross compatibility of parts with the macros Not everything works with everything So just make sure you're test fit and stuff and make sure if you're buying something It's something you can return if it doesn't fit properly yeah. Um, so you're not running into those issues, but yeah, having said that, I concur. You know that you know outside of the three malfunctions that are likely my fault due to complete lack of maintenance. Um, you know we'll we'll find that out. We'll we'll confirm that in the next thirty days or so. Yeah. Um, you know I, I I it is really an interesting little system longevity wise. Um, that's what I want to see. I want to see when we get you know a ten fifteen thousand round count through them. See what else starts to crumble. Um, because it's a SIG and I'm just not a trusting soul right now. But, um, you know, there's a lot of guys here in Ohio running 365s. They've been issued to a couple of different significant police agencies. And there's a lot of rounds through a lot of guns. And so I, I think that's probably going to play out to our yeah. favor in the long run. So, yeah, absolutely. What else? Um, yeah, don't unglock your Glock. Yep. Yep. <laughs> don't, don't, well, that's a thing. Um, G19 Gen yeah. 4, uh, I, I'm 99% sure that, that that's an, Ape, uh, an Apex trigger. Mm. Um, the Apex trigger has... But what was the issue? Um, so the uh, trigger dongle, the trigger safety, the bottom of the actual uh, trigger, so this, this is a different yeah. one. This is so one this that is happened a, separate. So. so this is a separate incident. Uh, can you describe what happened? So shooting the gun um, and the had an issue with the trigger, just felt funny, was done with the drill, looked down and realized that the, the trigger safety that is normally recessed into the trigger and protrudes slightly. And as you press the trigger, you release the safety, etc. Um, the trigger safety is held in place by a piece of metal either machined or cast into the actual trigger itself. The, that piece of metal broke, sheared off, and so the trigger safety was able to come forward and disabled the trigger entirely. Um, and I think that's probably a pretty rare beast. The gun was not dropped. Um, I don't think the gun's really been abused. I mean, I don't know if the gun's been shot necessarily an excessive amount or anything like that with that trigger in it. 
Um, and I've run a number of apexes. I know a number of guys that have run apex triggers. This is the first time I've seen this particular hiccup. Mm. Um, and it's an odd place for a failure of that nature because generally I would expect it, if maybe something hit it, that it would be a problem, but I don't know how it hit it because it's yeah. in the trigger guard. But either way, the safety came forward under spring tension, clear out of the trigger, um, and shut the gun down. And so that's, that's a new one. That's, that's a new one. Um, and it is one of those, you know, it's an aftermarket part. Uh, I, I can't say that I've ever seen a Glock trigger do that, but I also, you know, I can't say in, you know, Glocks since the early 1990s, 40 freaking years, 30 freaking years of running Glocks. Yeah. I really haven't seen any significant stock trigger crash and burns externally with something that's visible on the trigger. I have seen, um, trigger return springs, um, and some other pieces parts wear out and fail. Which sort of have a, hey, replace this at x round count yes like pm cycle to them exactly yeah i mean if you're talking um glock gen 3 triggers in standard double stack 940 guns that trigger return spring is a 5,000 round part and that's probably being that's probably being optimistic um i know guys that change them even more often than that just because that was a known failure point uh glock did do some things to make the springs better generally though the glock recommendations 5,000 rounds on that part so, you know, it's just one of those kind of things that you PM in your stuff. This was not a PM kind of thing. This is something that I would think should have lasted damn near forever. But again, I'd be curious to know what the round count on, on that gun was. Cause I think it's probably significant, but not excessive. So uh, that was one of those things where, you know, and, and this, is, this is a catastrophic malfunction. The gun was down. You can't really make the gun go bang at that point without a whole lot of focusing on, hey, where's the, how do I get this little dingle hopper back in the trigger and then push it back and then make the gun go bang? Yeah. You know, with any manner of alacrity, is probably not going to happen. So, um, yeah, it was uh, that 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 was an interesting one. That's the first one I've seen again out of an apex. I have seen some aftermarket trash triggers um, do dumb things like that, where a pin sheared, the trigger's just flat out broken, the safeties come out of it. I've seen that on lesser quality stuff, never on an apex. My guess is that apex would warranty this, and based on the law of large numbers, I'm not aware of any other ones ever doing that. So it really wouldn't freak me out a whole lot to just get a hold of Apex and go, hey, take a look at this and tell me if it should have done this, and have them probably go, hey, here's a new one, um, and just go on about your business. So, but it would be a it'd be a bad day if you needed it right at that point. So, live and learn. And I guess what you learn is, you know, all is in vain when an angel pisses in the pan of your flintlock, right? So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, what else? Because there have been some interesting, some interesting, little oddball things like that, and I'm just drawing a blank now that we decided to talk about it. So, yeah, yeah. Too much jam. Too much jam. Too much jam. <laughs> uh, um, I do want to throw out one that popped up too that I think is kind of a maintenance thing, and this is something that that more of a discussion thing than something we've seen recently, but it is something we've run into. Um, on um, short barrel AR system guns, um, especially suppressed, running suppressed with, especially with suppressors that do create a lot of blowback. Um, you know, higher, higher. Like every suppressor known to man. Yeah, the majority of them, yeah. The majority of stuff out there that any anything that's going to create excessive back pressure or in guns that are overgassed. Um, we talk about a lot about, you know, there's a certain few triggers that we recommend, the Geisley SSAs have really kind of been the gold standard for quite some time just raw durability and being a good trigger period yeah um you know big trigger does a good job uh we well, the one of the things we have run into is that if you're running a like a larue mbt 
or one of the other you know two-stage match-ish trigger kind of guns um your maintenance intervals definitely need to step up we've run ssas to ridiculous amounts of rounds yeah. without any failures but if you're running an mbt um you know it, it's, it's the, good yeah the big thing with the ssa is all of the pieces come apart yeah um so you can clean everything yeah uh any of the unitized triggers um whether it's fully unitized or mm -hmm. partially unitized there's just places in it that you can't get to for cleaning true enough and and even and even like something like compressed cleaners like non-chlorinated you know brake cleaner where you're just really just nuking it to get stuff blown out of it if there's something something stuck in there a piece of primer a piece of brass something relatively rigid maybe it comes out maybe it doesn't and that's part of the issue with the mbt is that you you know you if you're doing your maintenance on it taking it apart you're scrubbing it out and stuff like that you're probably going to see some inner deficiency um, but if you run, you can run it to failure in as short as 1,500 rounds suppressed, yeah. especially if it's any kind of dirty or ammo, stuff like that, because we've seen it happen a couple times. That's, that's just the, the carbon schmutz yeah. getting into the disconnector, Yep. Um, where the disconnector is held in. Yeah. Um, stuff just, it gets so gunked up, and then that stuff solidifies yeah. to where things just don't move. Yeah, and it, and it, it is, generally, it's a no warning you might get a little bit of a weird trigger pull or two before it just says, hey, we're done here. Um, and, and again, in all fairness, if this is a duty weapon, if this is a life-saving tool, um, then you know you should be cleaning it, taking care of it. And it's something where getting a brush inside of it and cleaning it out with a brush um, and some manner of solvent you know, on a regular basis, popping the trigger, say, every thousand rounds, cleaning it out with a brush, et cetera, you could probably get in and keep it clean and maintain it. Yeah, I, 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 mine I have been able okay. to. Um, but I mean, I'm just saying, you know, it's just something where you've got to get in there with a brush though and, and, and scrub yeah. around it and knock stuff loose. But it, I'm going to say it's a thousand rounds or less. And it may even be a 500 round conversation. If it's a short barrel gun that's heavily gassed and you're running a can, uh, every 500 rounds, you should be probably pulling that trigger, detailing yeah. it and going on. Um, sorry, Mark, we'll probably get, probably get banned from LaRue for life for saying that now. He'll probably kick us off his Instagram and... No dillo dust. No dill. Oh, that would hurt. Yeah, that would be below the belt. Um, I'll just yeah. get, I'll just so get the, another hug. Like my, the issue I've had with that trigger, there's a part where there's a roll pin that's then riveted. Yeah. Um, so you can't just pop the roll pin out, and yeah. that's what holds the disconnector into the trigger shoe. Mm -hmm. um, so that that just gets locked up. Yeah, and the, and like I said, there's and no there's way not, to there's no there's way to take way it to, apart. Yeah, you can't detail it, but you can work around it. Um, you can, you know, you can scrub it out. But it is something that I don't, I don't. It's something you can't wait. You're not going to get a warning. It's going to be done right. when it's done. And that, you know, like I said, yours, yours crashed and burned sub fifteen hundred rounds. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I mean, I, I think going to a thousand rounds if it's a gun you're staking your life on, you're probably asking for problems waiting that long. I really think it's one of those things your maintenance interval probably needs to turn into every time you shoot the gun. You probably need to be blowing everything out, cleaning yeah. everything out, and making sure. Uh, because you just don't know until you know, and hopefully when you find out it's not too late. Kind yeah, of or just run an SSA, and then you can pop all the pieces apart. Exactly. And detail scrub everything and make yeah. it all nice and happy. Well, and probably more importantly, not run into that issue. Yeah. Period. Because, I mean, I've run SSA through ridiculous, SSAs through ridiculous round counts on suppressed guns, uh, abusive round counts on suppressed guns, and never thought twice about it and never had a problem. So, you know, that, that's probably the answer yeah. is, is doing that. So, yeah. Anyway, um, and that's not a one-off. Uh, we've had a couple of those with MBTs. Uh, brilliant trigger on a low round count DMR precision type gun. 
Um, good trigger, but requires maintenance on more of a working gun with a higher round count. Yeah. Just be aware of it. That's all. So it's just an observation. Um, don't don't flame us. Just not hating on the Rue. Love the stuff. Um, just that one has some caveats with it. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else popped up because we saw something else that was that was kind of weird here recently. Oh, um, if, if you are running suppressors and stuff like that, we, we've had a lot of conversations around uh, carbon locking and stuff like that, and, and some of the systems are more prone to carbon locking. Um, one of our guys here is, is really knowledgeable around suppressors and, and is a big Surefire guy. Um, you know, taking a look and doing some of the research from Pew, is it Pew Science that's doing the suppressor testing? Probably. Um, and they're talking a lot about war comps and carbon locking and overpressure and back pressure with the war comp system in conjunction with, um, you know, the Surefire QD cans and stuff like that. If you're running those systems, you know, do some research on that. Um, I, I don't think it's like a blow up in your face going to get you killed in the streets kind of thing, but it is a maintenance issue and it does create some situations that require a little more knowledge. Uh, to work your way around those, especially if you're shooting in a controlled environment, uh, i.e. most indoor civilian ranges, retail ranges, um, you know, you end up in a situation where you're carbon locking a can on and you can't get it off and you're stuck kind of thing. Um, that system, I, I don't necessarily think that system is broken. I just think it has some quirks that you need to know about in advance. And if you're a professional end user and you're on your own range and somebody says, oh, wow, my can's stuck on, Oh, cool. Pop the collar loose and let's fire around and then we'll go down range and pick your can up. Um, you can't do that a lot of other places. So it does create some issues on the cake eater side of the house. Um, you know, so read up on that kind of stuff too. Look at the carbon locking. Look at some of the preventative stuff you can do, whether that's going from a war comp to like a four prong, three prong, non-war comp muscle device. Um, or if it's, you know, you know, maybe, I don't know, doing some of the, the old school tricks like dielectric grease tends to stay in place pretty well yeah. and won't burn. Um, you know, maybe some of those little tricks will help you out too. I don't know what the answer is and I don't, I don't really know what Surefire's recommendation is other than pop the collar loose and shoot it off. Um, and not all of us can do that all the time. So understand what the maintenance issues and cycling issues are on those kind of things too. Yeah. Um, One of those things where when you're dealing with rifle suppressors, keeping a very high temperature welding mitt yeah. or barbecue mitt, um, oven mitt, Etc. in your range bag is a really good idea yeah um, maybe even keeping two of them because yeah. um, you can get a suppressor like melt all of the skin off of your hand hot yeah very quickly yeah yeah and having the second um oven mitt is nice because you may need to grab the gun to turn the suppressor the other way um, something else that we just saw too, uh, specifically with a Surefire can, but I'm sure it's an issue with others. Some of those collars, where you where you address the collar, the tab that pops things loose. Uh, we had one yesterday get stuck behind a light, and you really ha couldn't get in behind the light to get pressure on it to turn the collar and hold the tab down at the same time. So I had to pull the light off the gun. And this was not one that was carbon locked. This was a clean test fit, and that was kind of a hmm. That's kind of interesting. How do we when it's indexed? Yeah. that tab's going to be in the same place every time and so that's where you want your light now you're stuck fighting with your light every time too so you know there's some conversations around setup with some of that stuff as well that i think are going to lend to this but a lot of that is test fitting it and and that was what we were doing was test fitting it and finding out hmm well that's kind of a pain in the butt now what and go from there yeah so yep 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 absolutely um another thing too you know uh, part of the maintenance thing we start getting around suppressors or part of handling them i guess not maintenance but just being around them um, looking at the companies like Armageddon Gear and places like that that make the suppressor covers, 
um, or, or the hot pockets to put them in. The hot yeah. pocket can also be used, I think, to help remove them and things of that nature. Some of those items, to me, seem ridiculously expensive right up to the point where the suppressor touches your leg when you transition and you go, oh, wow, I really wish I had that super expensive um, no burn my fat thigh a meter, whatever it is thing. Yeah. Um, you know, so be, you know, that's something to take a look at too when you're working around things that get that hot or tools that allow you to work on things that hot. Um, a lot of suppressors come off easier hot than they do cold. Because the metal's expanded. Bingo. Yep. And so when the metal cools back down, shrinks back down, and that's, that's part of the carbon lock is it's getting crushed in there you know, physically and, and creating some serious issues. So just be aware of that. Yeah. And stuff that's on a, you know, on a taper lock mounting system. Yeah. That's designed to get tighter as it's shot. <clears throat> yep. um, yeah, once that cools down, now you're fighting compressed metal. Yeah. And <laughs> the, the screw type engineering. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. So, anyway, you know, just some things that have popped up in our world here recently to say, hey, you know, keep an eye on these things. Um, new triggers. I'm, I'm going to bounce because I've had a lot of sugar and caffeine this morning. I'll bounce back to you, Glock triggers. Um, the new Glock performance triggers seem to be holding up pretty well. Uh, I know that when we talk to, um, the Glock reps, um, one, one of the guys who's in, who works for Glock, who's involved in a lot of this stuff, said they ran a significant number of triggers through 10,000 10, cycles, um, you know, with just appropriate lube and, and had zero issues with them. Um, you know, I've, I've got a fair number of rounds through mine because I've used it on some off days, not necessarily training days, and put a fair number of rounds through mine. And then also with some training days over the last few months since we've had them. Um, no hiccups, no issues, no nothing. I'll be really curious to get, say, 10,000 rounds on one or something like that, like Glock did, and just confirm that that is indeed the case. Uh, but it is a Glock product that's been tested extensively, I think, especially compared to a lot of other brands that yeah. don't seem to do that a whole lot. So, um, you know, so if you are chasing down a Glock trigger that's going to, you know, really push that cycle limit and it's a Gen 5, then looking at that's probably the way to go. So, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, cool. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of a gump cast, kind of a little overview of interesting, weird things. Change your batteries, clean your shit, Good. lube your stuff, and understand, you know, what's going on with some of those accessories like suppressors. Understand what the maintenance things are around yeah. them and how, the, how to handle them ahead of time will save you some heartburn on the range and hopefully keep you in a position to stay training and have their, your equipment ready to rock. Yeah. So, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, on that note, as we come across interesting things, we try to get them post up to our social media. You can follow us along on Facebook and Instagram. On Facebook, we are Cap City Outfitters. On Instagram, we are Cap City Outfitters 2. Um, on our website, capcityoutfitters.com, you can find information such as how to do an FFL transfer or how to purchase a suppressor via our storefront over at silencershop.com. Uh, also on the website, you can sign up for our email newsletter that goes out once a week on Fridays or drop us an email to info at capcityoutfitters.com and we will add you to the newsletter list. Then we're here in Hilliard, Ohio. We're at 4465 Cemetery Road. We are in front of the Aldi's. We're directly next to Louis Fusion Drill. We're here Tuesday through Friday, 10 to five, and Saturdays, 10 to three, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks for tuning in, guys.